so glad to have you with us this week for my conversation with Sam Whitesell, professional musician, performer, pianist, coach, and teacher. We're talking about how he's taken his teaching online and now facilitates group programs and helps adults reconnect with music, bringing them back to the piano. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with this conversation, talking about creativity, making space for the things that fuel and inspire us. Sit back and enjoy. Hey there, friends. Are you looking for tools to resolve stress, reliable information to support your whole health, tips to help you motivate yourself and identify when motivation is fading before it happens, implementation, accountability, and someone to remind you to celebrate even the small successes where you could find tools you can use and accountability in a community that cheers you on, where information about health trends and lifestyle is reliable and straightforward. I know that you have what it takes to up-level your health habits and restore your resilience. You just might need a boost to start building momentum. I've designed a membership where you can choose the level of support you'd like to get every month, whether it's tuning in to connect with like-minded change makers or getting personalized support with one-on-one coaching to help you chart your path to success. Check out the link for the Velocity membership at happifiedlife.com. Special pre-launch pricing is now available for premium support, but you can jump in for free if you just want to test the waters. I look forward to seeing you inside. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I am so excited to have you with me this week as I have a conversation with my friend, Sam Whitesell. As a former pianist back in my childhood myself, I'm excited to have this conversation. And I think it's going to be really relevant to a lot of you who may have been involved in music in our childhood and then left it behind. Sam Whitesell began taking piano lessons at the age of six and now has 30 years of piano playing under his belt. With two university degrees in piano, 20 years experience performing professionally in a myriad of styles and situations, and 15 years experiencing teaching piano along the way, Sam's passion today is supporting adults who used to play piano and joyfully jumpstarting their playing again and deepening their connection with their powerful, creative selves. Sam lives in Burlington, Vermont, on the banks of the beautiful Lake Champlain, where he revels daily in the surrounding natural splendor of the region and enjoys being a part of the vibrant local community. But now you can have students everywhere around the world, Sam, and I think that's so exciting. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. And it is exciting um, starting to be teaching globally. Yeah, I think you were just saying that you have a group in session right now and one of your students is in Europe. Yeah, I have my first student from Austria. And recently I had my first student in South America, in Chile. I love it. So you are, I think, one of those rare 
musicians who started playing young and kept that alive. Did you ever kind of fall away from music or was it always a really big passion in your life? Oh yeah, that's a good question. So I started piano when I was six and um, there's quite a lot of music in the family. So it was something that was like easy and easy to enjoy and supported. And I did a lot of studying. I did an undergrad degree. I did actually stop playing for like two or three years officially for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, I was kind of burnt out, like after being in music school and just playing piano all the time and starting to question like what I was doing. Yeah, just practicing all the time and losing touch some with my own creativity. Like I was playing music that I was hired to play and it was a lot of classical music. And like, sometimes I didn't relate to it so much. It was like becoming kind of a job. So yeah, I did stop playing for a couple of years. I actually went and worked on some small organic farms and a meditation retreat center. And honestly, like trying to find myself in like some ways I was out of touch. And yeah, then I, I realized that I was missing it and got back to it eventually. I realized I, I wanted to teach and perform and, and find more of my creative voice. That's actually when I started doing some composing also. That's beautiful. I think that for a lot of people, giving ourselves that permission when we need to hit the reset button or we need to create a little bit more space is hard. We feel like we have to push through. You know, we worked really hard to get where we are. We can't turn away from that even temporarily. And then we do really get to that point of burnout where we end up giving it up entirely. So I love that that space helped you really come back with a new perspective and opened up your creativity. Yeah, everything, my whole approach to playing and to practicing and composing music creatively and, and even improvising, which is something I do a lot. I play a lot of jazz. Everything has changed so much. Yeah, including like body awareness I mean, awareness on a lot of levels. I realized I was fairly out of touch with myself. So yeah, even just to enjoy creating and expressing myself, I had to get in touch with what was even there to express. But being getting a lot more comfortable with my body too. I, I actually did have a lot of problems with tension and tendonitis and stuff early on, early on. That actually was quite a problem. I actually didn't play for maybe half a year at least in music school because of that. So that's something that I like to help folks with too, just the body awareness and playing comfortably, being in touch with your body and feeling and understanding how to move easily, which all adds enjoyment and ease of playing, of course. Absolutely. I think that's a really important insight because we do tend to compartmentalize, right? And without having that awareness of our body and recognizing the messages, because it's really easy for them to be drowned out. There's so much input. But what, when we can be present and recognize what our body needs, then we can just enjoy what we're doing so much more instead of trying to mute the shoulder tension. Cause I feel it as if I'm five years old again, sitting at the piano, which, you know, at that point was bigger, <laughs> you know, you've got your arms up, you're really engrossed in what you're doing. And it's easy to forget, you know, that we're in these situations, we're not breathing perhaps as fully as we could be or that neck and shoulder tension. So bringing that together that would serve us in so many different aspects of life. I think everybody needs to take that opportunity to learn how to check in and meet our needs. Yeah, breathing is so important. That's something that I didn't used to pay attention to until much more recently. But I mean, ever since around the point where I was mentioning where things kind of fell apart and I was just searching for myself. Um, I mean, I've worked with various healers and like coaches and different varieties. And um, yeah, everyone always talks about the breath even as a way to get in your body, which is 
something that personally I wasn't. I was very much, I think being like an artist and like a really creative person in some ways, like I'd just be living up and outside of my head really. So the breathing definitely helps like ground myself into my body become more available for myself and for other people. Yes. That's a really important lesson. I love that that's something that you're helping your students and your coaching clients tune into. That's really powerful. So in terms of reconnecting with your creativity, and I talked recently with someone else who's leading creative writing workshops, and we were comparing notes about how sometimes we feel not creative, even though the two of us come from traditionally creative backgrounds, and you do too with all of your study in music. What are some patterns or what are some ways in which you find that people have disconnected or are just not in touch with their creativity? I'm a little bit of a special case because, I mean, I do perform and teach piano and music, and I've done a lot of music performing and creating projects. I mean, that being said, I can be the type of person who tends to worry a lot and kind of be very perfectionist. And that's something that's held me up a lot. It's like, it's hard to access your creativity if you're worrying about how well you're doing. And especially if you're worrying what other people are going to think about your work, whether that's creating music or whatever your job might happen to be. So that's a big one. And I mean, again, breathing and getting in touch with myself and embodying has been helpful for that. And like trusting in my own message that I have to share as a musician. It's like, I need to trust that I have something valuable. I know that if I enjoy my own playing, like probably other people will too, but it's hard to enjoy my playing if I'm being too hard on myself, judging myself, comparing myself. So that would be a big thing. And then honestly, one thing that everyone says, I feel like who I talk to about getting back to piano or doing something creative is just how to even fit it in in their day because so many of us lead such busy lives. And that's an interesting question. I mean, people ask me how long they should play piano, like if they're going to study with me or be in one of my courses. And I say like maybe just like 10 or 15 minutes a day if you can do that regularly. And of course, like in theory, that's not too hard to fit in. There's probably somewhere you could put that. But I think I mean, this happens to me too, when I have too much going on, I just get stressed. And even though ironically, doing something creative that takes me out of my stress, that would be the perfect thing to just like calm down my system and actually give me the space to step back into everything else I'm doing. It's like, it's hard for us to realize that and make it a real priority, even if it's just literally 10 or 15 minutes. So there must be like a place you could put that in in your day. But it might seem overwhelming to make that choice at first. Yeah, I think I think you've made some really, really terrific points there. It's hard to give ourselves permission, right? We feel like, oh, there's so much to do. I really need to be productive right now. I really need to stay on this project until it's done. And, and then I can give myself 10 or 15 minutes to do something just for me, right? And I think that's a bit of the circle that we can get into not recognizing that if we give ourselves 10 minutes to feel restored, to do something pleasurable, like making music or doodling or writing or whatever form we enjoy, then we can come back with more focus, more energy. We can get back into that project as opposed to forcing ourselves to power through, which a lot of us, this Western game that, you know, this mind game that we play 
you know, it doesn't do us any favors, but we get stuck in that. Well, I'm committed to this. I can't let myself have fun until I get work done. <laughs> yeah. And that's something I a hundred percent relate to. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with all those same things, even though what I do for work is literally like quite creative, but um, I was even just realizing recently like I don't sit down enough myself and just play for my own enjoyment. Like I perform professionally and I record regularly right now. I have a church job and we do online services at the moment. So I record for that once a week. But a few weeks back, I was realizing like, wow, I don't even know when the last time was that I just sat down and played for my own enjoyment. So, I mean, ironically, considering it's like the artistic thing that I actually do, but I've just so caught up in my work teaching and developing my online business and other things. Yeah, it's the same thing for me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I agree to another point before we get carried away, because I want to go on a tangent and follow that thread. But I want to check back on what you were saying too, that our inner judgment is such a big obstacle in letting ourselves ex- be open in our expression. And it can be a really big hurdle to overcome, whether that's you know, the inner critic or just we're critical of the end product. And so it's harder to come back to it and give ourselves that space to explore and play. Is that something that you find a lot of your students bring to their work with you is they have to work through that judgment and critic in order to give themselves permission to fail a little bit in the effort of getting better? Yeah. I mean, that's such a big topic, actually. Like in my own life, I was already saying I've struggled through that stuff hugely. I mean, being like a professional performing artist, the pressure is like so much higher and just all the schooling I've been through. But yeah, it's totally the same thing with my students. And I I do teach younger students too, I have. And it's like, it doesn't even matter what age you're at. I think, again, like the way that our society functions, there can be such an emphasis like performing and competition. And I mean, there's literally like music competitions. I I never actually really did them very much. I'm like a little too sensitive or like it was too much pressure. But yeah, even in, I mean, there's a lot of kids who study piano who are in those competitions or even they're just being judged somehow. It's like some kind of event that's being judged. And I mean, when I'm invited to judge those things myself, I try to be so sensitive because one thing that I find... I mean, some people have had musical experiences as kids that were quite jarring, even like on the level of trauma. Like I had one student who came to me and he was a little over 70 and wanted to learn to play piano. And he had an early experience. I think it was a freshman in college and he wanted to be in a singing group. So he showed up for the audition. And when he sang his bit, yeah, he was like really put down. I mean, basically told he wasn't musical. And not only that, but in front of his whole peer group, whoever was there. And he was telling me this, like when we were working together, he was like, basically, like 50 years later, he wanted to overcome that experience. And he was like, I at least want to believe that I'm musical. And so he was getting up the courage to call me and and we worked together some and we were able to work through those things. But I mean, just for example, I think there's actually a lot of stories like that. So, I mean, that's sort of on this extreme end, a little less extreme. I know that a lot of adults who I've talked to, that I asked them about their early experience and why they stopped playing. I mean, there could be a lot of reasons, like it just basically too much critique, like from their teacher or from their peers, even like it wasn't fun. They felt like they were just doing it for someone else. 
whether it was the teacher or like maybe their parents in a lot of cases. So then later on when they are interested in getting back to piano, they're looking for the enthusiasm and the joy that they never had. And now some of them actually did have a joyful time playing when they were young. And I think in those cases, um, yeah, they, they were able to relate to it more on their own terms. I probably had a teacher that helped make it fun and the whole situation was less critical and more exploratory and creative, um, which is what I like to go for myself these days in my own teaching. Well, and I think that's a really important insight. As you were saying, you know, they might have, when they were younger, done it out of obligation or for someone else. The parents said, that was my case. It's time to take the piano lessons, right? And it sat there in the dining room. And and later on in the work that I did before what I do now, helping people recognize and address stress, I was moving senior clients. So they were all in their 80s and 90s. And a lot of them had pianos in their home. And my running joke would be to say, what a beautiful piano you have. We had one as a kid. I spent more time polishing it than I did playing it. (laughs) Because it was, it was that sense of obligation. And as a kid, you want to play, you want to do other things. And the more people tell you what you should be doing, the more you just kind of chafe under that. So I think it's really powerful then as adults to give ourselves that space to come back and say, well, on my own times and for my own purposes, I feel like I could be really fulfilled by trying this again. (laughs) Yeah, doing it on your own terms is like so inviting. (laughs) I mean, interestingly, I don't really remember ever resenting like playing and taking lessons when I was a kid. I think I had all the right support, but almost sort of the opposite later on when I'd be taking lessons and was like already a young adult or like not even a young adult. And I'd have a teacher and they'd be telling me what to do. And at that point, I'd be like, I'm, I'm trying to be an artist. And I mean, at some point when you can basically do everything that you need to do technically, it's almost like a matter of opinion. The teacher is just telling you, well, like I would play this this way. It's like the correct way to do it. <laughs> but then you start questioning, well, like, I mean, there's lots of ways to do it. And what if I have a way that I really enjoy and feel is expressing what I want to? And so I mean, that again, for me, that was coming up a little later on. That was coming up a little later on, but I feel like all that same stuff comes up as a kid or even being told what kind of music to play. Like we're only going to do classical music. And a lot of the adults who I talk to now, that actually is why it wasn't fun. I mean, it, it was like this tedious thing. And meanwhile, they wanted to be playing some popular music that they loved and thought would be fun. And that just wasn't what was happening in the lessons. (laughs) So how does that work when people come and work with you? um, Do you still do one-on-one lessons in addition to your group programs? Or how are you working with your clients? At the moment, I'm mostly working in the group programs, which I just started recently. It's just been within the last year. And doing that online, which is all new because of COVID, basically having pivot to online. But it's been really wonderful working in groups with adults There's so many good things that you actually don't really get from one-on-one lessons, like the community support and seeing that everyone, whatever stage of playing each person is at, everyone's working on the same kind of challenges in their playing and learning how to learn music and play music. So there's such like mutual support and kind of cross-pollination of ideas. Yeah, so I've been really enjoying that. I actually... I'm looking at mostly working in that format. Um, I'm currently actually teaching relatively full studio of kids, which occupies most of the rest of my time. (laughs) 
So yeah, I'm still playing with that balance, but I definitely enjoyed the group work. It, it's been really exciting to do the past year. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, people who aren't familiar with group coaching or that sort of thing, you know, and you think traditionally in the format, you know, it's one-on-one and you want that privacy. You don't want to be open and share or be observed, right? You don't want to fail in front of too many people. But the real power of these group sessions is other people ask questions that you might've been afraid to ask or that you didn't even know yet that you have. And the answer is so insightful or enlightening. It helps move you forward, you know, so that collective experience. And like you said too, you know, it's a group of people who are, who are all together cheering you on. Everybody's working through the same obstacles, learning the same scales and new songs or choosing their own songs or however you put that together, which is another question that I have for you. And so once you get over that initial hurdle, like, oh, I don't know if I want to like sit in a room full of people, you know, the benefits are, are much greater than you might recognize could be hiding in that kind of format. So I love that. I think that's great to, you know, and be connected in community because in terms of how we feel stress and respond to stress, sometimes we withdraw and isolate ourselves. And that's exactly when community benefits us so much more. So any opportunity in which we can get to know people who share values or goals is so rewarding. And especially in these times, it's really powerful to have that connection. So I love that. Yeah, you put that also beautifully. (laughs) (laughs) I agree 100%. You know, one interesting thing about piano that I point out to people, especially when it's this question of to take one-on-one lessons or to be in a group, piano is like one of the only instruments that you can tend to just play and practice by yourself mostly. Because if you're playing most other instruments, like any kind of strings or, or woodwinds or brass or singing, you're likely in some kind of larger ensemble. Like if you're in school or there's community ensembles you could be in. And so you get that community aspect of it and it actually holds you to some sort of standard or, or momentum or motivation to, um, to keep playing and keep preparing your music. And then you get that sh- social experience of playing together too. Um, and in, in piano, there are lots of opportunities to play in groups, but there's usually only one piano in a group. <laughs> and you have to have sort of like a certain competency, depending on what kind of group it is, what kind of music you're playing. So I find that a lot of people are just playing piano by themselves and is isolating. And it's such, I mean, it can be, it's such a different thing. It was almost like a running joke in college, actually, that the pianists were like the kind of extreme, like introverts compared to everyone else. (laughs) Locked away in their practice rooms, no need to get together and coordinate with anyone else. (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, not only that, but our repertoire, when you get to an advanced level, it's like there's these huge pieces that you have to spend so long working. I mean, that what you just said wasn't like an exaggeration at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I studied theater in my undergrad. And so we had musical theater students and we were right next to the musician, like the music school. And it was just hallways of practice rooms. So yeah, it's really not that much of a stretch. Everybody goes into their room. And when I was in high school, I played the flute. I stuck with the flute longer than I did the piano. So I never thought of it the way that you explained it, but that is so on point that most music is a social experience that we create it in groups. And so piano is one that tends to, I mean, it's not an easy instrument to move around. So where it is, is where you play. It's hard to bring community into that. So this bridges that gap and brings the community to the music that you choose to create. I love that. Yeah. 
And of course, doing it online, we're all just in our own homes. So that's really cool. It's hard to even do a group class in person anyway, because you'd need like 10 pianos or whatever. You'd have to be in a piano store. <laughs> Pretty much something like that, or in like a special piano lab in like a school. And I will say, just as another calling back to the work that I used to do before I got into holistic health and coaching in that work that I was doing with seniors who are moving, a lot of those clients who had pianos obviously couldn't take them into their smaller apartment or retirement community. And so if you find yourself in the market for a piano, there are people who have them and need to get rid of them. So it's kind of a good time. You might be able to pick one up just of the movers. So there's a little inside tip that you didn't know you were looking for. (laughs) That's definitely true. (laughs) And so the question that I had before about, and you mentioned choosing the music that you really resonate with. Do you let your students then in the group programs choose the music they want to play or do you start them out with the same selections and then they branch off or how do you how do you let them have creativity in that regard? Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, as I've been teaching whether my private students are in the group class, I've been more and more letting everyone, I mean, if they have music that they're actually motivated to play already that they're just bringing to me, even if it's like a bit of a stretch, as long as it seems like within reason, I'm like, yeah, great. That's perfect. And I mean, we'll kind of learn whatever we need to learn in that context together. Because yeah, just the motivation that the student is already bringing, I'm I'm in no way like asking or, or forcing them to play it. Um, yeah, so, so that, that's that been huge for me. I, I don't know if a lot of teachers do that, but that's definitely my modus operandi. And then in the group class, I don't know if we mentioned this yet, but it's technically a class for people who used to play already to some degree, which varies. I mean, it could be just from a little to a lot. So they're not complete beginners. And we're more working on like, we're more involved in different foundations of playing and We have some music like woven into that curriculum, which is almost more just kind of for the demonstration purposes of like the tools that we're learning about. And then, yeah, I definitely invite people, whatever they might be working on, basically apply the techniques that we're learning to the music that they're working on. Um, And we do a recital at the end, which is really fun, which is actually a great opportunity for those students to showcase something of their own. It could be something from the class, but it could be something that they've been working on. Piano recitals. You're giving me flashbacks, Sam. (laughs) With my feet swinging under the piano bench. (laughs) Yeah. So that is something that actually can bring up some big fears or negative memories. And for me included, I mean, I've had a lot of performance anxiety issues, even being professional. It's that's something I've worked through so much in my own life, but Yeah, you know, the first time I ran my program, I wasn't even thinking of having a recital at the end, honestly. I wasn't sure people would even want to, but as we were going through the course and we were getting towards the middle or or near the end, I don't know if I even asked people, but like a couple of people just started asking, like, are we going to do a performance? They actually wanted to do it and everyone was super on board and it was really fun to just to do that like virtually at the end of the course. Sure. And then they can invite, you know, family or friends because it's via Zoom, right? Yeah, it's been so fun doing Zoom recitals this year, just with everything online. 
for a bunch of reasons. Like I don't have to rent a space to do it and people don't have to dress up and show up. Actually, the way that I've been running my recitals virtually, I'll have people pre-record themselves and then send me the video. And then I like stream those on the actual Zoom event. So everyone can be much more relaxed. They're just like at home on their couches watching and enjoying yeah, it, it's it's really different. And they can record it in as many takes as they need to not get that wrong note, that pesky slipped finger. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's a whole other subject is like people realize that the same things come up because as soon as you hit the record button, you feel the pressure on, even though it's really just all in your own, which is like a good point because that's all it is when you're performing live too. But. <laughs> Well, and, and one of the tools that I like to share with people, I have a couple of different resources that I make available when I collaborate with partners and that sort of thing. And so I have this little PDF and video and it's called Five Steps to Master Stress and Shine in the Spotlight. And it's really, and it comes from my own experience performing and, and music and what have you. And, and now as we get up and try to tell the world what it is we're up to in creating, those that performance anxiety, that stage fright, that stress reaction, if we change the way we look at it, we can like, again, with that whole perception of stress, use it as, oh, my palms are sweating, but that's just because my circulation changed. You know, if there was a tiger, I could run away, but I'm using this ability and focus to really dive in and bring all of my attention into my performance, right? When we start making shifts and we try it out, you know, we experiment, we do it and we you don't go down in flames. We find we actually like it and we get great feedback. We're more willing to try it again. And so- getting out there and doing it is the biggest, first, bravest, bold step. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I like that idea of just the awareness of like what's going on physiologically and be like, it's okay. That's natural that that's happening, but I'm just going to regroup and like do what I was planning to do and share. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. This has been so much fun. I think you've helped me resolve some of my childhood baggage about music. So I'm feeling better about myself. And let our audience know too. So what kind of things do you have coming up down the line? What are you putting together? Yeah, well, one thing that I'm excited about that I have had in the works for a little while, I'm designing a free five-day online challenge. And it's a little bit broader than my piano teaching. It's about discovering a creative outlet for yourself, or probably in a lot of cases, rediscovering the creative outlet that you used to have. So anyway, I mean, I, I take folks through some exercises, just getting in touch with themselves and what they used to enjoy doing and actually seeing some of the things that might have come up and gotten in the way, like we were talking about today, and then look a little at maybe picking something back up or choosing some kind of outlet that for themselves. For, for all the reasons we've been talking about, I'm kind of, well, definitely as a way to de-stress, but bring creativity back in your life. So yeah, I'll be running that challenge kind of ongoing probably a couple of few times a year. Um, yeah, so that's one thing I'm excited about. And then, of course, just continuing to run the group program for adults that we've been talking about. I've run it two times so far and in the middle of the second time right now, looking forward to more. And yeah, looking forward to continuing to work with those students and eventually developing more courses too. I, I want to develop a course that's more about playing piano by ear which is something that a lot of people ask me about. And that's kind of a whole other subject, but something I'm passionate about. I do play by ear a lot and play jazz and improvise. And yeah, it's like a whole other side of playing that again, people didn't necessarily get in traditional piano lessons growing up. So 
Yeah, <laughs> I'll let folks know about that as it's further development. Um, but the five-day challenge, I'm excited to be um, offering. Awesome. So we're going to have your website linked in the show notes. And I noticed while I was on your website, listening to your incredible music. So if you need a little de-stress support, tune in and listen to some of Sam's recordings there. They're really beautiful. And he has a list of glowing testimonials. So if you're on the fence, if you think, I don't really know, do I have time for piano? Is this really what I want to get myself into? Take a look through and see about his students' experiences, because I think that they will speak for themselves. Let us know, Sam, what's your website? Just in case they don't have the show notes in front of them, they're listening instead of reading. Yeah. So my website is my full name. It's samuelwhitesell.com. That's S-A-M-U-E-L-W-H-I-T-E-S-E-L-L.com. And your program is... Play Piano Again with Sam. Did I get it right? Almost. Yeah. So my program for adults is called Back to the Piano. Play it again with Sam. Exclamation point. <laughs> Exclamation point. Embrace your creative side. Get back in touch with your musical self. I love it. Thank you so much, Sam. Thanks for being on the show with me today and digging into this and giving people a place and a space to get creative and, you know, try out their musical side again. I think it's really brilliant. Yeah, you're welcome, Susie. Thank you so much. It's been so fun just chatting about all of these things. And yeah, I look forward to maybe doing it again at some point. Absolutely. And I'm going to jump in on your challenge as well. Thank you. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Take good care. Okay, take care. Thank you for tuning in today. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. And if you found value in today's episode, make sure you subscribe to catch the next one and leave a review to help fellow pod surfers find Happified. Until next time, keep on shining.